Oh, this is Alec Pierce, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com and by Underdog Fantasy. We can go right now and use promo code Roster for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. They have the big Best Ball Mania three tournament that you've seen Trash Man doing the doing the live streams on here. I've been doing them with guests. They also have the new Puppy, which is a super flex draft. So make sure you use that promo code Roster. Get in the Best Ball streets. It's a ton of fun over at Underdog Fantasy. Again, promo code roster and we talk about that new superflex puppy draft that they have going on our guest here mark Schofield from uh, I'm, I'm sorry mark Schofield from the touchdown wire he also has a ton of podcasts over on the sb nation um the i guess platform uh you right now the touchdown wire is putting out their top 11 at each position so make sure and go check that out and where you can find all, all that stuff linked as at mark's twitter account it's at mark Schofield. that's spelled S-C-H-O-F-I-E-L-D. Mark, second time on the show. Welcome back, brother. Awesome to see you. Alex, it's great to see you again. Great to be back. And and we were catching up before the show. We actually... I think saw each other across a crowded room in Indianapolis at the Columbine. <laughs> it's just absolute chaos there. You get the media scrums. You're fighting for position at the podium. I think we're just kind of like, hey, what's going on, man? But we didn't get a chance to catch up. But it's, it's great to see you again, man. Excited to be here. I, I know we got a lot of stuff. It's July, but we still got a lot of stuff going on. We got Scott Fishbowl. Um, that people are making drafts in right now. I know we're going to talk about that. We've got training camp coming up. So it, even though it's the dead of July, NFL, fantasy football, none of it stops. Well, it's the only time that I can get my friends on, like my friends on the podcast to come talk, right? I mean, during, during, during the season, when I the just... the season starts, man, it's just madness. It's the world's <laughs> fastest marathon. I tell people all the time, like, because, you know, we get to do this for a living and people are like, you know, what's it like in the fall? I'm like, it's absolute chaos. I don't sleep. Like, it's just madness and it doesn't stop until June. And then we pick it up again. So yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, man, for sure. It's like I like I know that my people are alive just because I see their Twitter feeds going. I'm like, yeah. all right, they're fine. I'll catch up they're with good. them. I'll, the- talk to them <laughs> I'll talk to them once the madness is over. All right, but hey, the madness is just starting. It feels like Scott Fishbowl always, I mean, for us, we've been doing the you know, we've been doing the fantasy best ball stuff for months now, but it feels like this is the time when people, you know, when the like it's it gets back into the mainstream ethos yeah. a little bit. Um and my Scott Fishbowl draft is um in the Austin division. We only have we're only through two rounds. So you're a little bit the first guy that it got off to a slow start. The first drafter uh, he took up his, his his whole clock and um so we've gotten off to a slow start. It's picked up since then. I'll talk about some of some of my Hey, how about this? I want to hear your picks. Yep. But let me tell you what mine are, and I just kind of want to get your take on this. I picked from the from the one two the one zero two. And when I signed up for this, I forgot, you know, we got to pick our draft slots when we yeah. were signing up for these divisions. And I said, Well, it's a super flex, so of course I'm gonna want an early pick because I want to get a premier quarterback, and then I want to pick it to two, three turn because that because that way 
just the way that things fall with all these simulations I've done, you're going to have a, a, another, a second good quarterback there and another premium player to where you can. And then I told, I totally forgot that this thing has a third round re- reversal. Yeah. So my whole strategy has been thrown down the window. I, I was, uh, I, yeah. So I, I, I personally was a complete coward. I, I went Patrick Mahomes at 1.02 and just seeing how thin, uh, you know, quarterbacks were going to look by the time I picked again at the three eleven. Um, I just, you know, I went with the quarterback that I thought had the most available upside at that time when I was looking at guys like, I mean, the best that were left were guys like Ryan Tannehill, Trevor Lawrence, um, uh, Mac Jones and stuff. But at the very tip top, Trey Lance was still there, a guy who I felt like, you know, could really represents a whole lot as far as what he might be able to do with his feet this year. I know you're a quarterback whisperer. You love evaluating these quarterbacks. What is your view on Trey Lance? I mean, I'm pretty sure I, I don't got to ask you about Mahomes. I'm sure you, you think he's a pretty, pretty darn good football player. But uh, what, what about Trey Lance? Um, what was your evaluation on him? What do you think about him coming into this season and just your, your general book on the guy? Yeah. I mean, I remember being on last summer with you, Alex, saying, look, Trey Lance landed in the perfect offense because if you watch him at North Dakota State, it's basically the same offense that Kyle Shanahan's going to have a run in San Francisco. And I remember telling you, look, like if you're certainly in Dynasty, but maybe even a redraft, get yourself some Trey Lance shares because he'll be playing sooner rather than later. And here we are, and you know, here we are in the middle of July here, and it just cer- certainly looks like he's going to be the starting quarterback. And I'm very excited about his fit in that offense. I'm very excited with some of the weapons they have around him, certainly with the idea that they're keeping Debo, that they're not going to move him, that they're not going to trade him, that he sort of stepped away from that trade request. Now you've got Debo and Kittle around him with the stuff they do in the run game as well, the stuff he can do in the run game. I'm really excited about him this season. And interestingly enough, you said, like you pointed out in the SFB, you could pick your draft slot. I had almost the same mindset as you. I picked the third. So I was at the 103 because I was like, yeah, I'm going to get a premier quarterback. But then I forgot about that sort of third round reversal. <laughs> yeah. And so for me, I, I thought we've both well, been swindled, Mark. We've been swindled. Got swindled, man. <laughs> but I, I I was sweating it a little bit. And then the one one in my in the Care Morhen division was Jalen Hurts. And Whoa, I was really? very yeah. excited when I saw that. It's a gutsy pick. It's a gutsy pick. But um, Roto Underworld, Halal, he went with Jalen Hurts in the 1-1. Oh, and yeah. I mean, we know Halal. Guys over yeah. there, they love Jalen Hurts, and so I yep. sort of get it. So that allowed me to get Herbert at three, which I was really excited about. I got Herbert in the seven spot last year, and then I came back and got Brady. So I went quarterback, quarterback last year. Got a bye in the playoffs, but then my first playoff game was Brady's game against the Saints right before Christmas statistically the worst game of his NFL career. And I got bounced right, right away. So I was able to get Herbert at the three and then coming back at the two. Well, before you get into the two ten, can you just tell me, can you tell me what the, um, what, what is it that made you want to take her? Because I'm assuming it went Josh Allen and then you were faced with the choice, the same choice that I was of Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. I went with Mahomes um, just yeah. because of some of the completion percentage stuff and, and things like that. I kind of think, I, in a weird way, I kind of think that some of these targets that he has, guys like Juju, maybe a little bit of an extra emphasis on Travis Kelsey could lead to an, an increase in completion percentage. That was just my kind of thought yeah, on and, and, and that, and that they, was what I – Alex, that's exactly what I struggled with. It was, yeah, Mahomes is going to be – the offense is going to look a little different. There's no Tyreek, but at the same time, you're, you're hearing reports out of Kansas City and Mahomes is saying it himself like, yeah, I'm working out with these guys like MVS, like Juju, and throws that were incompletions in the past are now caught because these guys have a bigger catch radius. And so when I was staring at putting together my pre-draft picks, I was like, okay, Mahomes has a chance to put up a higher completion percentage. 
but I kind of went with a horse that got me there. Like I said, I went Herbert last year, and I'm just I'm really excited <laughs> yeah. about potential there. I'm excited about some of the stuff they added. I think the improved offensive line is going to be good. And I really felt in the end, as long as you went with an AFC quarterback between the Herbert versus Mahomes pick, you're going to be fine because I'm anticipating some massive shootouts of the AFC West next year. You know, well, the division is, I mean, it's yeah. just, it, it really is. And also, you know, um, it's, I think honestly, it's, it's good to it's good to draft guys for both teams. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you get to week seventeen, KC play. You know, like you know, I guess what week seventeen, KC plays Denver. I think there's a bunch yeah. of divisional matchups right at the very end in those um, in those uh, very important fantasy football playoff weeks that, that we care about, and we know that those those plays can, can correlate, right? If, like if the exactly. game shoots out and goes off, man, you're going to, you're going to be going gangbusters on it. Okay. So you get back around to the two ten. Were you a coward like me and, and went with your second quarterback because you got oh, oh so scared or, or no, or, no, I, so the quarterbacks <laughs> that were available were Lance was still on the board and then you had fields to uh, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Matt Ryan, Ryan Tannehill. Like those were the types of quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know what? I'm going to push the envelope here a little bit. And so I went off script because I intended fully going in. I'm going quarterback, quarterback like I did last year, super flex. You're seeing quarterbacks fall off the board. I mean, 11 of the 12 picks in the first round of our of our draft were QBs. You know, the only non-quarterback was Taylor who came off in the 10 spot. Um, I went Kyle Pitts. I went Kyle oh. Pitts at the 210. And I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm okay with that. Draft a unicorn. And then on the flip, at the three, I would have taken Kyle Pitts if he would have been available. Yeah, I think that's an I think that's an incredible, incredible start because people might not know if they don't play in Scott Fishbowl with these tight ends, they just get bumped up to super premium status. And we get a guy like Kyle Pitts. I mean, what? what, I mean, what about Atlanta? I mean, who else do you think there is? Uh, Like, were you into were you into Drake London? And even if you were, it's like it's. I mean, isn't it just him and Kyle Pitts? I was talking about Brian Edwards and Auden Tate and guys like. Yeah, I mean, mean, the way I look at it, Alex, Drake London was my wide receiver one in this last year's draft. I think he's an NFL wide receiver. I think he could beat press coverage. Rookie receivers tend to take a little bit slower time to adjust, and then you have Kyle Pitts, who's a unicorn. I mean, he's he's getting the tight end status, but he's basically an X receiver. I think he's going to see a ton of targets in that offense, whether it's Mariota, whether it's Desmond Ritter. I think they're trying to run that passing game through him. London's certainly going to see a share, but those are the two guys that I think they're going to rely on in the passing game. So really excited about getting Pitts where I did. And then at the 310, I doubled down a tight end. Because some of those quarterbacks were still on the board. Bully tied in. Derry Taylor was staring me in the face. Oh, and so I thought, look, man, I'm just going to go because I knew I had the pick coming back. And I was pretty comfortable because after I went pits at 210, Lance came off at the 212. And then coming back, Fields won at the 3-4 and Tua at the 3-8. And that was it. And now you're like, like and now you're thinking it's like I'm gonna pick again. So you're you're about to pick again. Yeah, yeah. I'll get a quarterback that I'm comfortable with because I'm looking at how the draft had fallen. There were guys that I was gonna be comfortable with. Darren Waller to double down to sort of hammer tight end. I'm really excited about. So I get Pitts and Waller as my two tight ends. So what about what about so with the Raiders? What what do you think about? um, So what do you think about the Devontae Adams fit there, and and how and how that will affect? Uh, Darren Waller in his target share. I wonder just because if you look last year, I think it was like Devontae Adams 
this is something I was trying to tell Trashman about on the radio show. He says it doesn't matter one damn bit. I'm not sure if it does. I'd like to ask you what you think. If we if we, if Devontae Devontae isn't going to be able to play 30% of his snaps out of the slot this year, right? They're not going to be able to move him around quite as much because you just paid Hunter Renfro, yeah. who can't who can't play anywhere except for the slot. Right. And the then slot. you you also have Darren Waller sort of in there. So for, with Devontae Adams, what is your outlook on him? Because it feels like people are all over the place. I mean, some people have him as high as like wide receiver four this year, and then you see some people have him as low as like wide receiver ten. And if we just look at the if we look at the monster games that he's given us, if we look over the course of the last two years, man, he's only busted for you. He's gotten you less than 10 PPR points, I think only once in the last two years. I mean, uh, he's been an absolute force. How much do you think it matters, though? That Do, well, do you think he won't play in the slot as much? And then I mean, if so, I, does I, that matter? I don't think it matters, but I do think he's not going to play in the slot that much. The reason why I'm a little bit cooler on Adams this year is more of a Josh McDaniels thing. Like, there's a built-in chemistry, obviously, between Carr and Adams. They played together at Fresno State. You can pull up some of their footage from back in the day. They're certainly on the same page. You're going to see back shoulder throws just like you saw with Adams and Rodgers. But the thing with Josh McDaniels, and, you know, he's told me this, uh, combines and things like that. Other people that have covered the Patriots have been told the same thing. He's a matchup guy. Like, he's going to play his matchups, number one. And number two, he likes to run his offense, for the most part, through the slot and through the tight end. And if you're going to see a lot of Hunter Renfro snaps in the slot, because he's in Waller snaps in the slot, so yeah, some Adam snaps in the slot, but also Waller at the tight end spot where you can create those mismatches. That's why I was really excited to go after Waller in this format, because I think, like you said, that tight end bump, that tight end premium, Darren Waller as a tight end in a Josh McDaniels offense has me really excited. Is Adam still worthy of an early pick at the wide receiver spot? Absolutely. He's going to put up numbers. But I think from where I was sitting, I was higher on Waller in this in other formats than I am on Adams because of the Josh McDaniels fact. The 2022 Roster Watch Cheat Sheet is available now at rosterwatch.com. The revolutionary cheat sheet to change fantasy football forever is back only at rosterwatch.com. Winning fantasy players don't use outdated magazines or expensive draft software that's impossible to navigate. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet. All you have to do is follow the three simple rules. That's it. Three rules. Guys, it couldn't be easier. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet. An expert quality draft is always guaranteed. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet. It's only at rosterwatch.com. Just and as long as we're talking about the Josh McDaniels factor, I mean, there's like as you've mentioned, you've covered the Patriots, you're a fan of the team. You don't live there anymore, but um, still clearly a very <laughs> clearly a maniacal and close observer. Yeah. Do, do, do you, what, what does it mean for Josh Jacobs? You know, they declined to pick up a fifth year option on the guy. Is it just because it he kind of comes from a school of like, man, we're not gonna we're not gonna over we're not gonna overpay a veteran. Running back, you know, like we're going to run a committee here. You know, we're not like, what does this mean for the for the running backs there? And I, I won't keep wanting to say Oakland. What does it mean for the running backs there in Las Vegas? Are you? I mean, I mean are you, Alex, are you always- the question I get asked most often, other than how do I get to do what you do for a living, is what do I do with the New England Patriots running back situation? <laughs> how do you sort of extrapolate that to the Raiders because yeah. one of the more I think important moves that was made this offseason with respect to the Raiders running back room they went out and got Brandon Bolden now I know that doesn't sound like much but look there's a built-in relationship with McDaniels and Bolden McDaniels trusts him as sort of a, a pass protection back a third down kind of back and that's another single to me so in addition to drafting Zamir White it's going to be a traditional New England slash Josh McDaniels running back by matchup running back by situation, running back by game script, running back from game-to-game matchup-based scenarios. And so I'm kind of standoffish when it comes to the Raiders running back room. 
And, yeah. You know, not in the fifth year option is one thing, but McDaniels, again, it's that sort of matchup based philosophy where one week they might feature Josh Jacobs a ton. He might be in the script. They might try to get on the ball out of the backfield. Another week they might say, look, the matchup just isn't there with the running backs against their linebackers. Or it's not there against their defensive front. So we're going to spread things out. We're going to see a lot more Brandon Bolden perhaps or Kenyon Drake. And so I'm very standoffish when it comes to the running backs in, in Las Vegas, just because, again, of that Josh McDaniels factor. I've seen it year in and year out. You try to bet all your money on, oh, I'm going to go early on Damian Harris. I'm going to ride some Andre, Ramon Bay Stevenson, Sony Michelle, whoever the name was. Mm-hmm. And you get burned by it because they switch things up week to week, drive to drive. Yeah. And I think that that even, I think whenever you mentioned Brandon Bolden, I go, wait, did, when did, that? but I, I remember it happening, but that's kind of, that really flew under the radar with a lot of people. But I mean, the dude is going to be 33 years old. I think he's going to be 33. He's 33. Daniels has his favorites and it would not surprise me to see him get, not just make the roster, but carve out a little role for himself. I think that they also took a running back in the seventh round. I forget who it was. Yeah, Brandon Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so UCLA. So they, so they, but they did draft Zamir White, which to me means like Josh Jacobs. If he's going to be the early down banger, I mean Zamir White is just the perfect replacement and for that. For those much that cheaper. still believe, Ameridoula is on that roster too. For those believers like myself, <laughs> you know, you're, you're still still a mirror of back in the day, yeah. Unbelievable. Hey, he speaking of senior bowls, he had a he had a terrific senior bowl week yeah, for sure. Yeah, I remember. Uh, so, what about what about uh, your your fourth round pick? So, were you able yeah. to get that quarterback that we discussed? I was. I went Mac Jones. Um, All right, maybe a bit of a homer pick, but the completion percentage bonus because I mean he's going to take care of the football. Like you know, I, Matt Ryan. I was debated between Ryan and Mac at that spot. Ryan went at the four two, so I went Mac at the four three, and I'm kind of okay with it. Interestingly enough, you know Zach Wilson went at the four six, so you've got Tannehill and Trevor Lawrence still on the board. So. You know, people that waited golf as well. Like there, there's still options. Is, but I think. What about Daniel Jones? Is, is 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 he still on board? What's that? What about Daniel Jones? Oh, Daniel Jones is still on the board as well. Um, so you know, there are still quarterback options. I mean, we've got a guy in the ten spot that went Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler. Like he's gone RB RB RB. Like that's if you want to win SFB, like you got to do something out of the ordinary now. You know, he's going to have a quarterback. He's on the clock right now. He'll have his pick of those quarterbacks if he wants to go QB. But, I, you know, with the two QBs, the two tight ends, I feel pretty good about that start. Obviously, I'm going to be chasing running back and receiver now, but I, I'm comfortable with the depth at those positions to be able to build out some options there. There's some good ones that are left, too, I'm sure. It's like, I mean, they, yeah. there's some real good ones that keep falling. I mean, I saw Cam Akers in one of these, like, come off the board in round six or something like that. So, they're, they're, with, the, with all the hunger for the quarterbacks, man, it really yeah. pushes down a whole lot of these guys, especially dudes who are getting in the third round and stuff, yeah. you know, anyway, who, yeah. who, who seemed like good values. Well, I, I just – I only brought up Daniel Jones because I find that a really interesting thing this year. It feels like he's a sleeper that a lot of people like. Um you know, taking kind of late an underdog or maybe as a quarterback too. And some of our simulations for super flex drafts, if we get, you know, if we get busted out um, on our second quarterback in the first you know, four rounds or so, it feels like Daniel Jones is a guy we can consistently keep getting in managed leagues, which are different from Scott Fishbowl and Scott Fishbowl. He's going to be going long before then. But I mean, I, I, I got Daniel Jones in a simulation last night in the 10th round of a, yeah. of a simulated home league. Um, what, what Just as a quarterback, as a, as a, quarterback evaluator and as a scheme an X's and O's guy, what do you think about Daniel Jones? Yeah. I mean, he's been, 
you're, you're, you're booking him thus far. And what can it mean moving forward? If he like, does the Brian Dable thing really mean much to you? The improved offensive line? I mean, it, does. It, it does in a sense, Alex, because we saw what Dable was able to do with Josh Allen. And certainly Josh Allen may be one of one, you know, an elite rare type of player that people like myself missed on when he was at Wyoming. I'm speaking of senior bowls. I remember him down in Mobile, like sort of struggling at times. And people were just wondering, I'm not so sure about this guy, but Dable was able to make it work and get Josh Allen to the point where people look at him now as perhaps one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the entire game. Now, can Dable do that for Jones? No, I don't think so. But you look at with Dable and what he brings to the table, Mike Kaka, who's coming in as their sort of offensive coordinator, obviously Dable's going to be calling plays. Right. But there's a record there of doing things that will help the quarterback out from both of those guys with some defined half real field reads, you know, some some pass concepts that are catered to the quarterback strength. You know, one of the things that Dable did was like cater that offense to what Josh Allen does well, you know, velocity, reading, you know, half field concepts, pushing it downfield, stresses defenses with his arm. And I think you'll see similar stuff from Jones because I think he's got that potential and ability. You know, I've been clamoring for years to have the Giants push the ball downfield because, interestingly enough, even though he's in a sort of RPO, one-step, one-drop step kind of offense at Duke, that's what he's been playing in most. Mm-hmm. When he's allowed to push the ball downfield. He's, that's where you think he's at his best. And I think Dable and Kafka are going to put him in that scenario. The question sort of becomes – is Tony going to pan out? Is Galladay going to finally come to fruition? You know, they drafted a receiver perhaps because of Tony's situation, Wandale Robinson, more of a gadget type guy. Can they give him the vertical options downfield? If they can, with with the new minds around him, I think Jones can pan out this year. Yeah. Do you, but do you like Dable? Do you, I do. Do you like I, him? I, just- I like Dable a ton. Uh, you know, super smart guy, you know, has that proven track record of quarterback development, you know, comes from a background of, um, you know, a variety of different offensive systems, but molded them for Josh Allen. And I think he's got that potential to mold a similar offense and in, in sort of scheme for, for Daniel Jones to put him in a position to be successful. So, you know, as much as, you know, I wasn't high on Daniel Jones coming out. I think if Jones is going to figure it out, it's going to have to happen this year. And I think Dable will have the ability to put him in a position to do just that. You know what? I mean, you kind of mentioned it. Everybody that he's worked under, and you th- and you look at the list. It's a, like it, it's some it's some good coaches, good good cultures, right? And it's like whenever Joe Judge came in there, it felt like he just came in and tried to just bang down this culture, and yeah. they the team wasn't having it. They weren't responding to it at all. I think with a guy like Dable who just comes in there and he just does it, and he does it. You know, he's not make the big. I, I think honestly, it's gonna be. I think he's gonna be good for the for, for the New York Giants. I don't know if it's gonna be good for Dan. Daniel Jones, but I think it's probably about the best shot that Daniel Jones has. I I think so too, Alex. I think this is the best case. And obviously, look, they declined the fifth-year option, which we sort of expected was coming. So if Jones plays well, they'll have to franchise tag him. If not, we we know where the Giants are going to go. They'll draft a quarterback, what could be a much better quarterback class next year. I mean, I I did my watch list. Dane Bugler came out with his watch list for next year. We got Stroud, we got Young, we got Levis, we got Chakovic. Like, it's a much deeper quarterback class. And so the Giants have a nice little window here. They can try to get it done with Jones this year. I think you're right. Dable is going to be good for just this, not just Jones, but this organization on the whole. And if they don't pan it out with, Dan- with Daniel Jones, they'll have an early round pick in the first round next year. They'll go get their guy. I'm going to go way off script here because you, yeah. you, you mentioned Stroud and Young. And I, like, I'm just like, I don't want to put you to like, do you have a, do you have a preference between those two at this point? We, uh, we, have, a whole, we have a whole year to, okay. So yeah. Yeah. we just Stroud right now, they're both extremely talented. Um, quick decisions, 
you know, move well in the pocket. They're certainly athletic. I think Stroud, it's interesting. You know, we see this Ohio State quarterback thing, right? And we're going to see it sort of play out again with Justin Fields. And there's this idea that, you know, they can't read offenses. They, they can't decipher defenses. They can't make reads. But again, you look at that offensive system. You look at that playbook. It's a lot of option routes, stuff that converts on the fly, mm-hmm. stuff that converts based on coverages. And while it might look like, oh, he's just making one read and getting the ball out – it's because he's done a lot of the progression stuff pre-snap and right at the snap. It's like, oh, you know, and I've got their playbook like just out my arm's reach, Alex. It's like, oh, if it's too high, like this is where you're going. If it's single high, this is where you're going. So you've got to read that stuff out on the fly. And even when defenses spin the safeties at the snap, they're showing them too high, they spin it to one. He reads that stuff out extremely well. I think they're basically 1A and 1B. Like if you want to tell me Bryce Young's your guy, I get it. Like he, he's supremely talented as well. Only yeah. guy that put up good numbers against that Georgia defense last year, a defense that had, I think 25 guys go in the first round. It wasn't 25. Like, <laughs> it felt like it. Um, you know, when you get Jordan Davis running like four, nine, I mean, come on, <laughs> like, what are we talking about here? Um, both very good quarterbacks right now. I like Stroud a lot, but I think that the guy that I'm sneakily, or perhaps there are two guys, there are a lot of guys. I try to limit to one or two, but you start expanding the map here. Phil Jakovic from, from Boston College. Um, he had the wrist injury last year that put him, yeah. sort of put him on the shelf. But before that, I thought last summer when everybody – we do this, right? We're looking for the next Kenny Pickett, the next Mitchell Trubisky, the next yeah. Joe Burrow, the guy that rises out of nowhere. I had my eye on Jakovic. Maybe now people know who he is. So Devin Leary, the NC State kid I'm excited about. Uh, Will Levis. Like, like it's a very, very deep quarterback group. But at the top right now in July, I got Stroud over Yon by, you know, a razor thin margin. Yeah, we, we uh, Tre- you know, Trevor from Trevor Sikama now. He's like PF. That guy? You know, who? You know, no, no, no. no I, lo- I love Trevor. You know Trevor. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, he – he was on the pod. He mentioned a lot of the same. He he mentioned a lot of the same names. I think he really loves Will Will Levis. He he yeah. loved Will because his fiance drank the like mayo coffee with him on camera. Oh oh, so that's the deal. Okay. <laughs> no, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot to like about Will Levis too. And plus, you know, Trevor's an SEC guy. Like, yeah. you, get a, you get an SEC quarterback. Like, Trevor's gonna love him no matter what. Yeah, unless his name is Kyle Trask. He came on this show and said, man, I I went to Florida, man, and I'm telling you, no, no, no. Uh, All right, Uh, speaking of of quarterbacks that people love to hate, I got to ask you just quickly about Baker Mayfield and sort of the fallout from that. Um, I I don't know. know, Whenever I first thought about it, I'm like, oh, there might be some kind of – Connection between, you know, I mean, Matt Rule was a Big 12 coach for a while. Of course, Baker comes from comes from Oklahoma and stuff. There's obviously some sort of familiarity there, I guess, between the two guys. I, I don't really know what that means from, from a scheme perspective or how, how Baker would fit in. But it feels like the offensive line is a little bit better. It feels like, you know, Christian McCaffrey, if he really is healthy. And Dr. David Chow is basically said that – and I – I really trust Dr. Chow much more than just some, in, any other dude on the street. He's saying like, look, McCaffrey should be good. Like, well, I'm not worried at all about him. Um, you know, he's got, he's got guys that can kind of, it just feels like if when Baker sometimes needs to just dump the ball off and get it out. Cause he's kind of short man guy, having guys like DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey could be helpful to him. And whenever I look over at the underdog, so as far as the risers and fallers this week, as far as the, their big best ball tournament, the biggest riser of the whole week has been 
Baker Mayfield. He's yeah. up now 21 spots in the thing. Robbie Anderson is up 20 spots. Um, Terrace Marshall is up nine spots. And DJ Moore is up eight spots. And that's and that's not an insignificant eight spots for DJ Moore. We're talking about a dude that goes from the fourth round to basically early in the third round, really quick over the course of a week. Do you, what do you think Baker Mayfield – what do you think is in store for him? I mean, are we are we we bring presumptuous even saying that he's going to definitely be the starter there? I I just I would like to hear your take on Baker. Yeah, I mean, like it, what it means for the offense. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Alex. We're recording this on Tuesday the twelfth, right? It, <laughs> oh yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm putting the date here because Baker and Scott Fitter, the general manager, literally are meeting the media like today, and the GM said, "Look, it's an open competition," and Baker's like, "I'm just here to compete." He's the starting quarterback. Like this idea that it's an open competition, that's to sort of save face given what they paid to get Sam Darnold last offseason. Like they, they I think they got to sort of save face and put that out there. This is Baker's job. I will be stunned if he's not the starter. And I think the case for Baker Mayfield in Carolina, you can make it a couple of different ways. One, look, he was playing hurt last year. Like you watch him on film, missing throws and things like that. He was struggling. And as, as somebody with a torn labrum, like it's sometimes hard to throw the ball. It's sometimes hard to carry groceries with a torn labrum. He's out there playing on NFL Sundays with a torn labrum and try to thread the needle on throws. It's hard. The fit is interesting. You know, Ben McAdoo back in that 2018 year was asked his top quarterbacks and he had, he had uh, Baker Mayfield sixth of that quarterback. That's interesting. He had Mason Rudolph ahead of him, I believe. Um, So that maybe tells you what McAdoo thinks of him. But at the same time, you look at McAdoo's offense, you look at a couple of different things. You look at getting the ball out quickly, spreading it, that sort of West Coast influence, a lot of quick throws, getting the running back involved, i.e. Christian McCaffrey. And you also sort of look at the tight end position. They, they get the tight ends involved in a lot. Mayfield loves to attack the middle of the field, loves to throw to the tight ends up the seam. You know, you start thinking maybe an Ian, Ian Thomas, maybe even Tommy Tremble, um, you know, Stephen Sullivan, some guys that – you know, aren't really household names, but they might see some opportunities. And certainly you look at Robbie Anderson on the vertical stuff because Mayfield can throw the deep ball. You know, look at DJ Moore and some of those quick routes. I think there's a reason these guys are seeing their ADPs rise over the past couple of weeks. It's because we can now anticipate at least competent starter level quarterback play in Carolina. Prior to this move, we know what we had in Sam Darnold. Back Corral, as much as people liked him, myself included, probably a year or two away. Mayfield, prior to the injury, was a sort of, you know, quarterback, if you're just ranking guys in terms of traits in that like 12 to 16, perhaps range in the NFL, which is a pretty good quarterback and as the injury, which obviously, you know, cost him his job in Seattle and all of the Watson situation. I mean, excuse me, Cleveland, you know, but now with Carolina, with these weapons, with a rebuilt offense blind, you get a quantum coming in. This could be a good offense. Yeah. All right. So, so you, 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 you like it. I mean, uh, if it, <laughs> It feels like it's probably the best. Would you prefer Jimmy G? I think, interestingly enough, you know, I made the case for Jimmy G being the better schematic fit in McAdoo's offense because he's like pure West Coast guy, mm-hmm. like West Coast offense, all that stuff, sure, which is sure. McAdoo's thing. Like, and I've talked to people that have talked to McAdoo directly and said that, like, yeah, you know, he's a West Coast guy. Like, he likes the Garoppolo's of the world. At the same time, I think Mayfield's a better quarterback right now. I mean, I, I think he's a better quarterback. You know, he's got a little bit more to his game. He's got the ability to create a little more outside the pocket, off of structure and things like that. And so while I think the fit with Garoppolo, what might have been better one-to-one schematically, I think Baker is the better quarterback. 
Okay, so I'm I'm, I'm going to run down your credentials here, but I, I want to give you a, just a quick heads up on what I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you about one player. It doesn't matter what position, but let's say an offensive skill position player because it's a, it's a fantasy podcast. One guy who you think's poised to have a really big year this year. Just just Alex but, but you got to pick just all right. So we're so 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 we're going to talk about that. Uh, okay. But uh, so so his name is is Mark Schofield. You can find him on Twitter at Mark Schofield. You can find his content at the Touchdown Wire. Make sure and go check out those top eleven for each position. They're going to start rolling them out for the offensive positions now. They've done the defensive through for the beginning of July. The offensive ones will be coming out. But make sure. Roster Watch Nation, mobilize Unite, man. Go give our boy Mark a follow. He's super smart, super awesome dude, and we would really appreciate uh, your support there for him. You can also hear him on his a variety of SB Nation pods that uh, you can find there on his Twitter as well. Just another quick reminder, if you're listening to this podcast, you like the content, give us a five-star rating review, you know, thumbs up on YouTube, whatever else. I, you know, I'm supposed to ask that the that the marketing people tell me to ask for. <laughs> no, I'm not sure. Oh, su- Subscribe. And oh, and go to Underdog Fantasy. Use promo code Roster. All right. So it's so it's Alex P- Alex Pierce. You're expecting yep. a big year. The rookie Indianapolis Colts wide receiver, Mark Mark Schofield. Tell tell us why. Well, I mean, watching him on film, talking to him before the draft. You know, I got a chance to interview him at the Blog and the Boys show that I do over at SB Nation, the Cowboy Show there. Myself and Connor Livesley. Um, really smart guy. Talked a lot about how in that Cincinnati offense, a lot of their routes would convert based on coverage. So he and Desmond Ritter had to read stuff out. And so it's requiring, you know, NFL style progression reads and, and, you know, decisions from the receiver as well as the quarterback. Then you see the measurables, right? The 40 inch vertical, the the Mm -hmm. way he tested at the combine, you know, it's a little shout for those that think, oh, you know, I should play one sport in high school and specialize in that. He played volleyball in high school as well as playing football. He credits his 40-inch vertical with that because he's like, look, I'm jumping all the time. Um, that catch rate is, is massive. And you think about this Indianapolis Colts offense, I think Matt Ryan still has some juice left in the tank. Like I said, I considered him in, in the Scott Fishbowl and where you know he came off the board right before I picked Matt Jones. I think this is a perfect situation for a rookie receiver to be a quarterback's best friend. I think he's going to see a lot of targets in that offense. I think that he, you know he's going to have that opportunity to bail Matt Ryan out on some throws that might be a little bit off the mark. And so, in terms of somebody I'm targeted in you know any format, it's Alec Paris. I think he's going to have a big year as a rookie wide receiver.